what you want, when you want it, where you want it. This is The Mesh. U.S. health advisors want you to know your health coverage does not have to be complicated. If you aren't happy with your insurance plan, there are unlimited and comprehensive medical plan options available to you right now. U.S. health advisors offer solutions which can't be found anywhere else. They can even offer you the ability to purchase more coverage if and when you need it. U.S. Health Advisors offers fair rates and no surprises. Sounds nice, doesn't it? If you'd like to know more, contact U.S. Health Advisors at 828-554-3032 or by email at daniel.bryant at ushadvisors.com. everyone and welcome to The Forecast. We are your connection to the who's who in the game of golf. We hope to make you laugh, learn, and win and grow your golf IQ. I'm your host, Alan Burton, Director of Instruction for the Alan Burton Golf Academy at the beautiful Lake Hickory Country Club in Hickory, North Carolina. I want to thank all our listeners for tuning in. Find us on themesh.tv and all your podcast platforms such as Apple iTunes, Spotify, Stitcher Radio, iHeartRadio, and Google Play. And be sure to check out all the other shows on TheMesh.TV, all produced here in Western North Carolina. On today's episode, I'm very excited to be joined by the co-founders of Operation 36, a golf development model that has been explored and cultivated by two very talented golf professionals that I'm very pleased to know. Welcome to the show, guys. I have with me Matt and Ryan, uh, Ryan Daly and Matt Regan. I guess you guys are at home this week and looking forward to a big week in Orlando next week. I want to thank you for being on the show with us, guys. Thanks for joining. 100%. Thank you for having us, Alan. Well, it's, yeah, thanks for having us, Alan. Which is my pleasure, guys. I've known you guys for a long time. I think we shared a, a round of golf at Pinehurst one year, just walking the golf courses. I was watching my son, and I knew – Knew right then you guys had a passion for uh, for the game of golf and growing the game, and uh, it's it's been exciting to see what you have done. It's been amazing. Operation Thirty Six is now in over five hundred facilities in eight different countries. Um, you're growing the game and with leaps and bounds. And uh, you know, let's go back to the beginning with you guys as individuals. I know both of you are um, PGA members and PGM students from the great Campbell University up there. Uh, Matt, you're the you're the younger of the two. Is that correct? That's correct. Yeah. So, yep. so you you were ten year difference. <laughs> ten years. Wow. Well, it, Ryan doesn't look older, so I'll have to give you that, Ryan. You you look as young as Matt. So, <laughs> well, thank you, Alan. I appreciate that. I'll tell my wife. You're doing a lot of good things. Maybe your <laughs> wife is responsible for keeping you young and you know all that good stuff. But uh, tell us a little bit about um, you know what you guys have done, and I'll start with. Um, with Ryan on this, because you are the senior of the two. Ryan, was this your idea? Was this Matt's idea? How did this all come about? Sure. So uh, we started this, gosh, 2010. We're into our second decade of doing this. And it all began with a problem at the university. Uh, they were going to close the 36-hole facility, uh, which meant the end of the PGM program, which Matt and I both attended and graduated from. And at the time, I was working – uh, in, as a faculty member of the PGM program. And I definitely and desperately did not want to see the facility close. It was just after the great recession in 2008 and 2009, and they were having trouble 
keeping the doors open and getting enough activity at the course. And the director, Ken Jones, who has been super supportive of both Matt and I through this entire journey, said to our staff, does anybody have any ideas? And Matt and I, Matt as a student at the time, um, was one of the very few students to go with me on these trips across the country to get all these certifications and learn as much as we possibly could. And Matt and I together, I think, have attended 11 TPI seminars. I can't remember all the other ones. But anyway, Matt was an awesome student, very highly motivated and wanted to learn and he wanted to teach. And when Ken said, if you got any ideas, we got to try something. I said, you know what? I've got something. Let me try it. Let me grab Matt and see if we can't make a dent here at the university and get people at the golf course. So that's how it started. Um, I, Matt was always in my office on the second floor of the school business, always asking questions. I didn't really always have answers, but it was cool for him to mm-hmm. be up there on his computer and doing stuff. And when the, when it popped up that Ken said, give it a go. I mean, Matt was right there. I said, Hey man, you want to give this a go with me? I have no idea if this is going to last more than this summer. I don't know if it'll flop before you graduate, but do you mind jumping in on this and helping me with it? And that's how it started. And uh, it has evolved over the last 10 years into learning, you know what, how do you motivate somebody, particularly a beginner golfer, to want to learn the game and play the game for their life? And that is a really tough question and problem to solve. And when we first tried to solve that problem, Matt and I tried to make the environment as fun as possible. And you know this, Alan, you're really good at this, and we admire you and how you do this, in making the lessons and making the environments really fun and exciting and using gamification principles and levels Mm -hmm. and making it just an awesome experience. The biggest challenge we had was that lasted for three three and a half years. And we grew our programs up to 80 kids, which was awesome. And then all of a sudden 40 of them left. Mm -hmm. And when we interviewed the parents and grandparents and asked them, Hey, why are they not coming back? Their frustration was that we weren't actually creating people that knew how to play the game of golf and wanted to play the game of golf. Mm -hmm. So we had to go at that point. And I'll always remember this. I think we were in my office or we may have gone out to the coffee house. It was like, Hey man, do we give up? Do we just, you know, shut the doors on this or do we actually solve this problem and figure out how do you take a beginner golfer and take them from their first round of golf and turn them into a lifelong golfer. And what we currently were doing, which is just games and fun and not tying it into the golf course didn't work. So we had to go through the process of figuring out how do you get them on the golf course, which, as you know, Alan, is very tough to get a beginner golfer on the golf course. I mean, it's extremely frustrating for them and overwhelming. And I mean, that led us into creating the on-course development model that I think everybody knows us for, which is start 25 yards away, shoot 36 or better and move back. Every hole is a par four. And it makes the course that they play at that time as a beginner golfer very digestible. I mean, it's not like they have a full plate of food that they need to digest. It's just a small little section from 25 yards away. And then coupled with that development model, we've got the coaching program that coaches use on a weekly basis to train the players. And the mobile app now tracks all this progress and motivates them. So, I mean, I didn't want to take a ton of time on that, but that's kind of how we have evolved from the beginning. I mean, Matt Matt and I have been 50-50 on this from the beginning. I don't think I I know we wouldn't be where we are today without Matt. I mean, he's extremely motivated, uh, visionary of where we're going to go. I think when we started, we each of us never thought this would get out of Harnett County. (laughs) 
I mean, sure. our first name, our first name was so bad, North Carolina long-term athlete development, that our first check that we ever received, the person couldn't <laughs> fit it on the line. <laughs> yeah. And we, that's, we've gone through we've gone through quite a few different iterations and, and uh, hopefully that answers your question a little bit, Alan. Well, absolutely. And I think you guys are addressing, mm-hmm. you know, a, a greater need. Our our golf industry um, you know, has been participation has been on decline for many, many years. I mean, National Golf Foundation for years has put out statistics showing that golf courses were growing in numbers far greater through the mid '90s, uh, you know, on into early 2000. I know we were talking about this in early 2000 when I was with Nike Golf Learning Centers. Uh, the goal was to create golfers. That was our our motto, so to speak: create golfers for life and build a yellow brick road so that these golfers would have a a roadmap to follow into the game. It was kind of you talk to people and you find out how they ended up in the game and why they play, and uh, interviewed hundreds literally uh to figure out what what makes the game of golf stick for someone and and it was you know it's always a common thread but it's it's a difficult game to navigate your way into without some sort of roadmap or some sort of guidance and i think that's what you guys have done so well is you've put it into a nice package you've got a bow on top of it it makes it very easy for golf professionals like myself to go out and execute a roadmap for for golfers that want to play the game, and that's that's fascinating to me. So, Matt, tell us about uh, you know where where did you get into golf, Matt? Yourself, where did you grow up, and and what got you into golf? Yeah, so what brought Ryan and I together is I grew up on a little farm in upstate New York, and uh, in the middle of nowhere, the closest city is Corning, New York. Uh, but I sure. grew up in Addison, New York, which is like. 25, 30 minutes outside of Corning. And, uh, I was tired of running track and field for my third sport that I played, uh, because everyone beat me in the hundred yard sprint. And uh, (laughs) I decided, I decided to take up, uh, take up golf. I had a, our gym teacher actually said, Hey, why don't you try golf? I'm the coach of it. And you get to play free golf in our town. We had this little nine hole course called pinnacle state golf club which i think has closed since then uh but i was able to play golf and it was just when i got my license um and it was interesting looking back my first experience was actually playing in a uh golf match because only four people showed up for the match um (laughs) or only three only three people showed up for the match and uh i needed they needed a fourth so i was supposed to practice that day for my first time at the course and actually played nine holes. And because of the dark double par rule, I shot 72 for nine holes. Uh, and, uh, so it was, uh, yeah. it wasn't the best first experience, but, uh, luckily got my, um, uh, somehow stuck with it. And the nice thing was, is really, we didn't have like a driving range. We'd always had to pay for balls and stuff. So we would just play golf on the course every time we would sure. go up every day. Yeah. Um, and, uh, and did that, had my license and kept going. And before, you know, I graduated as a senior, I could shoot or break par from, a you know, the white tees or the men's wow. tees, whatever you would call it. And, uh, so, but it was literally just because I looked back on that experience and didn't really think about it, but I really did. I hit a lot of balls for sure. In the basement in upstate New York, my coach gave me a net I could hit into and, 
we would read one plane, two plane swing by Jim Hardy and try to teach ourselves then. And like, it was, it was, that's kind of where the love for teaching fell into place and then figured out that maybe I can make a golf career out of it. Um, and found Campbell's golf management program. And that's what led me there. And I was kind of, you know, trying to teach my own players on my own team. Um, cause I felt like it helped me, uh, get better as a player, just even though I really didn't know what the heck I was talking about. So that's, <laughs> but that's what led me to school and knowing I wanted to teach. And that's actually where I met Ryan. So Ryan was my, you know, my, uh, one of my first, uh, uh, teachers there at Campbell. And that's how we developed our relationship from there. Wow, that, that's a fascinating story. Probably very similar to a lot of folks. I mean, I heard as you told that story, I heard a lot of similarities in my own, uh, you know, findings of the game. And one of the things that struck me was that I fell in love with golf too because I'd been a, a baseball player and a football player and all these other sports, and you had to run laps to play those sports. And when I discovered <laughs> golf, they said you don't have to run laps to play golf. I said I like this sport, man. You don't have to run laps. So uh, you know it was kind of a, kind of funny as you mentioned the running stuff. But uh, yeah, I think we all find the love of the game in different ways, and it is a problem to solve. You know, if you're that type of person, you're inquisitive and. And you don't mind going down every rabbit hole possible, uh, you know. Certainly, you can you can discover, and that was quite a progressive um, improvement over a short period of time there through your your high school years, as you describe it. And that's that's what that's what I think the experience that you have brings to the table. You can show people that hey, look, everybody starts out somewhere. Um, I look at it a lot like um, the game of um, limbo. And I use this analogy a lot with my students. I say, you know, in the game of limbo, everybody gets under the bar on the first pass through. The bar is so high, everybody gets through. And that's what you want. You want the bar to be high so that everybody can get through and enjoy the game and, and engage. And then as the bar lowers, you realize where the bar gets and you bump your head on it. And that's a very telling place for a golfer. Um, you know, when we start out yep. in skill assessment, it's it's very similar to the game of limbo. I set the bar as high as I possibly can to discover where that player is going to bump their head as I bring the bar down. And um, to me, that's the method that you guys have used as well. You you create a system. Say we're going to start you from a short yardage, and the and the bar is relatively high. And when you get under this bar, we're going to lower the bar. In other words, you're going to increase the distance of their golf hole which increases the degree of difficulty and allows them to progress in a very manageable, trackable, measurable way, which is a huge key to you know success in any kind of developmental system is a measurement system that shows progress. So kudos to you for, for putting that together, guys. I think that's what, what it takes to develop our golfers and give them a system you know, and a way to measure. So good job there. Um, you know, Ryan, we, we, you guys are going to the PGA show next week. Tell us, you know, how that will look for you guys and what you have on tap for all the golfers coming to the PGA show in Orlando next week. And what will Operation 36's initiatives be all next week? Yeah, so very exciting time next week. The PGA show in Orlando, Florida, the biggest event in the golf industry every year. I think Matt has been going – I think I added this up the other day over 10 years in a row. I think Matt's gone and I've been going 
for many years in a row as well. Um, this is, I believe, our third or fourth year having a booth. So, Alan, we'll actually have mm-hmm. a booth on the floor, booth number 1675. So if anybody listening awesome. would like to stop by, we'd love to have you stop by. And that the PGA show mostly is for professionals in the industry, the 28,000 PGA professionals, and then also coaches around the world who come as well. And we're excited. We've got a full slate of events. Um, the the PGA of America for the first time has asked us to lead one of their educational modules on Wednesday morning. Uh, so Matt and I are excited about that. Matt, you'll be excited to know that I calculated from our rental house that we're going to have to leave at five thirty in the morning on Wednesday. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. That's great. <laughs> well, it's and so- then uh, we'll be, I think we've got a couple other speaking engagements with the GBN network, golf business network. Um, and then, we have our top 50 awards on Thursday night, which is very exciting for us, for Matt and I and the whole team here at Operation 36 to recognize our coaches around the world that are delivering a top 50 experience to their families. We thought that was important to go through and do that. So when families are online and they're looking for programming, Alan, when they find uh, maybe two or three different programs in their city that are running Op 36, they can see, oh, wow, this person's a top 50 They must be running this a little bit differently maybe than another program. It just allows them to decipher between the different levels of programming because there are some programs that run Operation 36 differently than others, and this is a way to help parents and educate them on. And also, um, we we are getting a very growing, and that might be good for us to spend some time on, adult market with Operation 36, um, and they can find that online when they find the top 50 coach or a certified coach online. So we're excited about that. And then we're going to end – Let's see, Friday with a certification um, for any coaches that are already in the network that want to do a certification. Matt and I are running a full day doing that. And then I do need to backtrack Thursday morning. The LPGA has asked us to speak to their, uh, I believe, teaching uh, teaching and coaching group uh, on Thursday morning. So we're excited about that. Wow, that is well. a fantastic busy week for both of you guys, for sure. And uh, and bringing, bringing that point, you talk about educating the parents, and I think that's another thing we should discuss for parents that are looking for programming for their kids. Um, you know, you mentioned your your website's a great place to go for looking for the Operation Thirty Six um, you know, facilities. You know, what what in your opinion is some of the things that parents need to know uh, if they're interested in getting their kids into a golf program? What are the things that your program does? You could kind of give this some bullet points, obviously that uh, makes it special and so parents need to be aware of what their kids are getting into when they get into the game of golf through your programming me or matt yeah i'm sorry yeah that that would be a question for matt yeah no uh that's a great question And, and i think when we look back to when we first started really that's what the first five years of our journey was spent on is figuring out what works what doesn't work let's throw that out all the way up to where you know we realized we had to get them playing golf which you know, and Alan, it'd be interesting to hear your thoughts on how many golf facilities probably shy away from getting people on the golf course or building that into a program, because that's, you know, if you look at kind of the three cores that we found that folks need is one, you can't create a golfer if they don't play golf. And Ryan and I learned that the hard way. Um, but what we found is, you know, no wonder everybody avoids getting a beginner on the golf course because there's no clear way to do it that people can see and believe in. Mm-hmm. And really that's what folks get with operation 36 is they know, Hey, you're, we're 
uh, we have a way to get a beginner on the golf course by starting them close to the hole. It's one, it's not overwhelming. Uh, I love the limbo stick, uh, analogy. You always have amazing analogies. I love listening to them. And, and, uh, it's a, that's a great way to think about how we get them on the course. So they see success, maybe have a par birdie from day one. Uh, and then, uh, you can get around the golf courses in, in, in about an hour and a half as a complete beginner. And I think that those are the main reasons we think that golf facilities avoid that. And I, I hear time and time again that, well, we don't want beginners on the course. Yeah. We want you to take five lessons before you get started. We want you to take the next 10 lesson pack and, and really golf pros aren't really incentivized to get people on the golf course, but that's the main thing uh, that you get with operation 36 is like these facilities have raised their hand and said, you know what, we'll package playing and coaching together to give a beginner a complete program. And we have a clear development model to get them on the golf course. Um, and then to pair with that, right. As they know, like our first three years was spent as we kept those golfers, we had a 90% retention rate for three years. I still remember meeting with the Carolina show. and We thought we had it all figured out. Hey, we, we play all these games and classes every week and we gamified this and we've gamified that. Not only did we gamify, you know, and have these training environments that would last 50 minutes of the class, but we also have this six level curriculum that gamifies education. And, and for the kids that love learning, they can earn little badges on the back of their bag tag. And that way it shows progression. And, you know, all of that is really wrapped up in the coaching, just having an organized progression. So parents can know what's going on. Everyone knows what's going on. And, uh, you know, that all the lesson plans now are like built into the technology and give the coaches the tools to get creative and add their own in there and work the lesson plans around. So you're planned for the season. So the coaches have all the tools. And then finally is just the progress tracking that you would get, uh, with operation 36 is we put a ton of time and energy, um, in the first couple of years of licensing the program and really getting all the coaching tools in there. Um, and now we're able to kind of blend together. Now that we've grown enough, we can invest more in blending together, not only the coach tools, which we're doing, uh, but also the end user and the golfer and the family. And, you know, we just launched a brand new mobile app for this year. That's family centered. Uh, so you can have multiple family members and we've been getting feedback from everybody over the last couple of years on the product. And, and, uh, and, and now we have some really neat features and tools coming to when they, you know, you play or practice outside of class, it's really a guide for a beginner to go, Hey, when I get to the golf course, you know, tell me what to do. I don't know what to do. And they still don't at that time. And so we're really building the product through the eyes of, uh, a complete beginner, someone who's never playing golf. And, and, and that's what kind of led us down this journey of, you know, trying to set this million golfer goal and getting that out. Uh, to the public, because that's what we want everyone to know that that is where we are going to be zeroing in on is that we really want to find a way. We think the industry needs to find a way and other golfers need to have a way to know how to onboard somebody into the sport. And you just don't have an impact because you can't create a golfer if they don't play the game. Right. And it doesn't really impact the facility if they don't play the game either. Um, and, and that's really what we're trying to bring together for everyone is just a clear way to onboard and take someone from a top golfer to a green grass golfer. And if we can't find a way to transition all this interest from top golf and like golf activities and at golf entertainment activities, if we can't transition them into liking to play golf on a green grass golf course, uh, rounds are what keep the facility alive. And if we can't do that, we're going to have a struggle to keep golf facilities open. Uh, 
So right. that's, that's really those, those three cores. If you want your kid to be a green grass golfer, or if you want to become a green grass golfer, where you go out and can play on a golf course, you need a program to onboard you. And those are the cores that we found. You got to have playing, you got to have fun coaching environments, a group of people rallying with you uh, with a common goal and then progress tracking and technology to, that's fun. It makes it fun and rewarding to track your journey. That's right. And, and it's so important for the parents out there to hear that. And also it's, it's important for the golf course owners and operators to hear what our ideas as golf coaches and, and, and teachers, you know, have to get players on their property utilizing the facilities. Because as you mentioned, without the rounds, without the revenue from rounds and, and food and beverage and golf shop sales and merchandise, there, there is no golf business, um, you know, and, and the courses are struggling as it is to, to stay open and keep conditions maintained at the highest level. So, um, you know, getting golf course access, golf course owners have to provide some tee times and, and uh, you know, access to the facility in order to, to do this type of programming. So what are some of the things that you guys, I'll say I asked this for Ryan, what are the things that you take to the, to the owner of a golf facility? Do you, you show them the statistics, the data, the finance th- that backs this up? It says we're going to create golfers for you that's going to be revenue for life. And, and that is, is how do you leverage that course access um, from those course owners, Ryan? What are your thoughts? Sure. Uh, that's a great question. I think it's a little bit different for each type of facility, public public versus private. Um, in terms of the public end, where we started at Keith Hills, which is a public facility, I mean, rounds drives everything. So the GM is interested in driving rounds. How can you how can you create more rounds for me? And the nice thing about the technology in Op36 is we can track all this. And at the end of the year with Ken, I can say, hey, we generated X number of rounds for you this year. Mm-hmm. And he's super excited. And he's like, holy smokes, I didn't realize this many people were out here. Uh, we track our golf cart sales for our uh, families. Every time we run a nine-hole event, we run four of them a month. Um, there are golf cart rentals for the parents that want to watch the grandparents that want to watch and mm-hmm. that's a pretty significant number by the end of the year sure and all those all those rounds are done during non-peak hours uh we have gosh we do saturday night and sunday night you know in north carolina those are pretty yeah. dead times yeah and the gm is super excited to get that many golf cart rentals that many rounds um and then also some food and beverage out of that too uh, for the public end and then for the private end and certainly if you asked me this question 10 years ago, I would not have an answer for you because I had no clue. But now that we've been doing this long enough, it seems like the private sector is run by memberships, mm-hmm. right? Sure. And retaining members and making sure that you get new members that come in. And I mean, Operation 36 does a really good job of making sure that whoever is involved is utilizing the facility. So if it's the juniors, they're utilizing the facility on a weekly basis. They're also Mm -hmm. playing rounds. And then when mom gets into it and joins the ladies program and she's involved on a weekly basis in the classes and the matches, it's really hard for a husband to pull out of that membership. Right. When, when the, when the kid's involved and he's excited and he's at 50 yards and he's playing a golf course currently where he can make a decent score and shoot a 40 dad's caddy in for him so dad's mm-hmm. super excited and then mom's in the ladies program and she's at let's say 100 yards and she's having a good time figuring out how to shoot 36 or better with her coach it's really helpful on the retention end um and 
constantly, Matt and I hear that the golf industry is going downhill and the numbers are going bad, but we just don't see that with the courses we're talking to. Like right. the courses that have Op 36, Chapel Hill Country Club is a wonderful example. They are thriving. I mean, they've got they got a waiting list. They've got more members than they've ever had. They're in sure. full speed with the junior program, uh, the future 36ers, which is three to six-year-olds and the ladies. And I'm not sure we ever envisioned that it would work this well, Alan. <laughs> yeah. But when there's a really good leader in place like Mark Engels and Joe Alden up at Chapel Hill Country Club, I mean, they totally have turned the tide where – they're pulling members from other golf courses mm-hmm. to become members at their course. Sure. And we got a call. We got a call this week from a local course that said, we're tired of our members going to Chapel Hill. We need to run this too. another Absolutely. private club. That Absolutely. was, that was really cool to see. Well, what you've, what you've been able to prove is that when you have a facility and that facility is looking to gain new members, the old way of thinking was that facility needed to update its facility. They needed to add to their fitness center. They needed to do something with their swimming pool. They needed to spend money to update their facility. And that's the old way of thinking. Well, our dining is just not fancy enough. We need to get some new furniture in our dining facility. We need to, you know, we need to build that, um, we need to build that, uh, water park out there on top of our swimming pool and, and get the kids here with that. And so, you know, clubs look at that and go, well, that's going to that's gonna be X number of dollars to create all that new amenity. And when you bring a program like this, the realization is the value of that club membership goes up without the club spending money. And that's huge in terms of return to the bottom line. So that speaks volumes for what, you know, your programming is doing and for what golf instruction in general can do when the programs are properly, properly run. So... Facility owners and even private clubs need to look at that. You want to spend money to gain members, or do you want to create more value uh, in programming and more retention through through the programming? So, good way of looking at it. And Alan, just to add on the public facility side, you know, I saw I saw a post from someone, you know, mentioning, you know, we just can't get we can't give access to our course or whatever, and and I. I found out, I, I'm not going to say who the name of the person is, but I went on, I went online and I just went on golf now and I knew it was a public facility and I went to four o'clock in the afternoon and from four to seven o'clock, no <laughs> tea time books the entire time. And I'm sitting there going, you know, right. they, they say they can't do it. And I, you know, I think the two biggest fallacies, it's easy for golf pros to build this in. You got to go to your GM. You say, look, I can't create a, I create, can't create turn beginners and create golf course customers here unless you let me get them on the golf course. And, and we aren't telling people to give away rounds for free, but right. if you have a $25 nine hole round, negotiate a $15 round. Um, but you just package that tea time into your coaching program, right? So it's right. not, so now the golf facility is making money. You're still making money because they're coming to your weekly coaching and you're making $150 an hour group coaching. Um, so it's, it's not like your people are giving golf away either. We're not, we're not spearheading that we, we teach people how to, you know, talk to your golf facility and say, well, if you want a $15 round or if you want a $25 round, you know what, we'll just build that fee in and we'll pay you out of the coaching program for that. That's what essentially tournament, you know, tournament series do. Right. And, uh, but you can do it at your individual club. And and now your coaching program is going to thrive because they're playing golf and they have a purpose. And now you're getting your coaching, a better coaching rate through group coaching that they're committing to come and there's purpose. And uh, 
So I think that's one I saw, I saw that and that just made me cringe. But I also think the other thing that keeps people away from doing it is when I was the head pro, I remember the phone call I hated the worst, right? Was the someone's out here with a kid or it's going too slow and you have to go out and solve that problem. So that's why GMs and head pros shy away from it. Mm-hmm. Um, but we shouldn't be shying away from getting beginners on the course. They just need a clear model to go out there and play. And right. that's what the program brings to the table say, you don't know how to play. And I remember a dad coming up to me and saying like, you have no idea what you've really done for me. And I'm like, what are you talking about? And he's mm-hmm. like, I dreaded bringing my kid out because he always wanted to play the full tee box. We held up people behind us. It was a terrible experience. So I just stopped doing it. And then ever since he joined the program, he just sits in the car and I play my tee ball. I go down there and he drops his ball. He knows exactly what he's doing. And we get around the course and it's, it's just been amazing. And then another dad saying, I never knew how to get my wife on the golf course. And this was, this lowered those, it, it raised the limbo stick bar for her, yeah. right? He yeah. just didn't know how to do it. And that's, that's really what the program does now is with the marketing and our brand just breaks down that barrier and they go, well, we use operation 36 here. Well, what is that? It's an on-course development model and a program to, you know, turn you into a golfer and here's how it works. And it, everybody, it, it just clarifies how to do it. Right. And that's yeah. where, um, that's really the value in the brand and bringing the program in is just to solve those problems, um, that the industry faces on getting new golfers in, or we're, we're losing them left and right. And golf isn't growing. And we think to really see it, we do see a, a, a point in time where every golf facility is going to be packed with rounds because we have top golf and all this golf entertainment that are funneling people here. And when we figure out how to turn those top golfers into green grass golfers, you're going to see golf facilities start to open again. And that's the future that we have like with our vision of what it could be um, as we, as we progress. So we're excited about it. As Ryan said, we're, we're really bullish on golf right now. (laughs) Well, that's fantastic. I mean, I love to hear you guys passion. And every time I speak with you guys, I get a new charge of energy myself to go out and, and do what we do and create more golfers. And, you know, 2020 is going to be a fantastic year for the game of golf because we have golf professionals like you who are, are pushing the bar and, and raising the standards for creating creating success in the game. And, and you guys are, are doing that better than anyone right now. So kudos to you guys. And I'm so excited to have had you on today to talk about Operation 36 and, and what's happening. And, and it's our goal to, to get rid of that afternoon block of tee times that, you know, most golf courses spend counting tumbleweeds in the golf shop and, and you know, give them a reason to get out there and, and, and you know, hey, have a little extra cart staff on hand because you're going to need them, you know. Not, nothing wrong with that. We want to create jobs and, and create revenues and keep golf courses in business and uh, – who knows? You know, in the next ten years, maybe we'll be talking about something else. But uh, right now, we've got a, a big, a big slice of pie to take care of, and uh, glad you guys are helping do it and do it in a big way. So, but um, thank you, Alan. I appreciate it. Before we go, we've got to we've got to hear the audience has to hear your alligator story, Alan. The this alligator the, story. One of the greatest oh. gamification techniques of all time. You introduced Matt and I to this when we first started. We oh, were doing it, a putting game with a child or somebody i can't remember and you used an alligator analogy if you don't feel like this is the appropriate environment to share this you don't have oh. to but i just always remember the alan burton alligator game well uh, you know it's funny you bring that up i i had forgotten that but the, uh, now that i think <laughs> about it um 
that alligator that is just a little small inflatable alligator that you buy at a, like a drugstore for, you know, $2 or whatever. And, you know, for me as a kid, I, I think through a kid's mind a lot of the time, my wife accuses me of being a big kid. So, you know, I said, well, I'm going to put this alligator on the putting green and this, this four-year-old or five-year-old that I'm dealing with is going to want to feed the alligator the golf balls. And that's what we did. We talked about, we got to feed this alligator. He loves to eat golf balls. And so I, I put the alligator right behind the hole. And I said, don't, don't let that alligator uh, go hungry. We're going to have to get the golf balls to go in his <laughs> mouth. And so how many golf balls went in the hole because the balls are rolling toward the alligator? It was just unbelievable. And it, just, it was just for a kid, you know, they, they don't understand putting a golf ball into the hole, but they did understand the alligator needed to eat. So we had a big time with it, and it was fun. No, Dude, awesome. every time, every time we see you, Alan, you're one of the few that when I walk towards a big smile goes on my face, you know, oh. cause I always know I'm going to get a good story, a good analogy. And I will, we walked away laughing. You were, you were a lot more animated than how you were telling that kid, get that, get those in there. And I, you know, yeah. that's the, that's the funny thing is that you, that personality is like, you cannot, you know, impact you cannot not impact golfers when you have a personality like that and that's why i just i i always love talking with you and, and hearing these stories i think about that one all the time you had us rolling yeah thank you guys I'm, I'm just like you i'm passionate about what i do and uh you know i'll lay in bed at night thinking what can i do tomorrow to make golfers have a little bit more fun and and like you know have a chance to get these golfers into the game and so many of my golfers, you know, over the years that I've been able to hang out with and work with have seen successes and nothing feels better than to see them succeed in the game of golf and, and know that you had a little part in it or at least got to witness it along their, their journey. And, and that's kind of what it's all about for me. So uh, uh, kudos to, to the game of golf for giving us all the opportunity to do something we enjoy and, and be passionate about and, and get up every day and do. So uh, it keeps me out of a lot of trouble. Kept me out of the, the rock and roll bars, you know, at late at night oh, as I've gotten older, you know. You know, but I'm supposed to ask you guys about your musical taste, but I, I'm not uh, so sure that I want to go down a new rabbit hole here at the time to close the show. But real quickly, oh. have you been to any good concerts lately, the two of you? How about you, Ryan? Anything you've, you've seen live as a music performance that you enjoyed recently? I have not, Alan. I am the probably worst person to talk about in terms of live musical entertainment. Um, I, I mean, I've, I've always grown up in upstate New York, coast of Canada. I've, I've always enjoyed Canadian bands. Yeah. And um, when I ever get a chance to have some free time, I always go on YouTube because you don't hear a lot from these guys in a while, but bare naked ladies. I love, I love that band and some of the music they put out in the early nineties and late nineties was, was really helpful when yeah. I was, you know, in middle school and high school to get through those times. And I, I always enjoy those and probably my favorite song of all time. If I had a million dollars, I don't know if you've heard that. It's oh, an yeah. awesome song. Yeah, absolutely. Well, what about you, yeah. Matt? Are you, are you a music fan? Do you like to listen to anything in particular? Or you go to shows? Are you, are you just all golf all the time? Yeah, honestly, my wife and I are huge music fans. So we're always trying to one up each other on who can find the next big hit that's going to come before it comes. So, okay. but we don't have, uh, we, when we met, we met over, uh, Eric church. So we've been to like eight or nine Eric church concerts, oh big fans gosh. of his Anderson, Anderson East. Uh, and I don't know if you've heard of him, but if you haven't, he's, 
he came to Raleigh. He's the most recent one. I think that we saw, we've seen Garth Brooks live. So big country, but also yeah, I like, I like pop. I like anything that makes you feel good. I like, you know, Zach Brown band, uh, you know, all the Chris Stapleton, all of those. I mean, I'm just, but I can't choose one. I just love it all. But I think if you count how many times we've been to Eric church concerts, those are, my wife showed me him when he was sitting on a tailgate uh, singing on a YouTube video when we met at school. And so we went and saw him in Raleigh when we were practically on stage and uh, followed him until, you know, I was paying $150 to sit in the, in the nosebleeds of Greensboro Coliseum to watch him. So it's, yeah, wow. so that would be, he's, he's one of our favorites. Yeah. Well, you, you'll find this interesting if you did not know this. Eric Church is from this area where I am here in the Hickory area, and his dad yep. his dad is the general manager of Lake Hickory Country Club where I teach golf. Oh, wow. Shut up. And I'm serious. His dad, Ken Church, is our general manager at Lake Hickory Country Club, and he is Eric Church's dad. So there you go. We got a local tie in uh, – and I understand Eric's a golfer. Uh, I've not yet met Eric, but I understand he's he's also a golfer. I know he has memberships at uh, Diamond Creek and a few other facilities around. My son was caddying at Diamond Creek, and I know he has a home up there. So uh, next time you try to go to an Eric Church concert, you may want to reach out to me. I might be able to hook you up with something that's really special there through Ken. We'll see what we can do. <laughs> if I ever got a if I ever got a little hug for Kelsey, she she might give me uh, uh, I guess some uh, some, might, some might breathing get little, room here for a, probably a year or two. Yeah, <laughs> you, you might get a little reprieve. You might get some extra brownie points or even an extra special Christmas present, huh? <laughs> Something. Well, Something. that's awesome. Yeah, she, We'll have to yeah, see what we can cool. work out. You know, um, I've been trying to work on something myself there, but that's, you know, I got, I love music as you guys know, and I got a chance to play golf uh, in Tennessee back in October uh, with Vince Gill, uh, who is a, a mutual friend oh, wow. of a friend, <clears throat> uh, a gentleman by the name of Van Fletcher that I've been friends with for many, many years. Uh, Van lives in Nashville. He's in the music business. Van and I actually got to go to Ireland this past August and play golf together for about 10 days. And um, so I'm going to Nashville to see Toto in the Ryman Auditorium back in October. And Van tells me on my way, he says, make sure you bring your clubs because we're going to play golf with Vince Gill. And it, it was phenomenal. It was just a great experience. And so uh, the music business ties closely with um, with the entertainment business. I mean, with uh, with the golf business at times, because these entertainers they love golf, and uh, it's it's a passion of theirs. So, got that opportunity. So, music and golf. I always said when I was young, it was the three G's. It was golf, guitars, and girls. And now I have to weed it down because I'm married. So it's just golf and and guitars for me these days. But uh, still, one girl, and uh, and she's very supportive of both of my passions, golf, you know, and music. But um, I can't say enough about that, but uh, she lets me do what I do and uh, supports me wholeheartedly. So that's what it's all about. That's I'm, awesome. I'm sure you guys have the same uh, relationships with your wives and families at home, too, because it takes a special wife to support someone uh, on the mission we're on. You know, you guys traveling as much as you are and, and being gone and and motivation to, to come home is always there when you have that, that uh, supportive wife and family at home waiting on you. So. 
But thanks, guys. I want to wrap the show up and uh, wish you well down in Orlando next week with all you're going to do. And uh, I look forward to you know maybe getting you guys back on the show again here in a while after some some golf season stuff kicks in and see how the year goes for you. But I do feel that 2020 is going to be a clear vision of success for all of us in the golf business. And uh, we'll wrap the show up with that. And again, thanks again, guys, for being on the forecast um, with us today. Thank you, Alan, for having us Thanks, on. Alan. If anybody has any questions, they can reach out op36.golf if they're a parent or a coach or a player. That's the easiest way to get a hold of us. And, Alan, we can't thank you enough for having us on. I hope Trey's doing well. Always enjoy following his success. And yeah. thanks for your support. Oh, likewise, guys. We we'll look forward to seeing you again down the road. Thanks, listeners. This has been The Forecast with the Operation 36 Golf Development Model. Uh, the two co-founders we had uh, with us today, we had Matt Reagan and Ryan Daly. And those gentlemen are really, really smart guys and on the move in the golf industry. And that wraps up our show. I would like to mention you could also be an advertiser of our show. If you want more information on sponsoring one of the shows here, go to themesh.tv slash advertise or send us an email at info at themesh.tv. Uh, I've been your host today, and it's been a pleasure. I hope to hear from all of you. If you have questions, you want to reach out to the guys, and you want to get in touch with me, you know how to do that. I'm at alan at alanburtongolf.com. And today's episode, The Forecast. See you next time, golfers. been listening to The Mesh, an online media network of shows and programs ranging from business to arts, sports to entertainment, music to community. All programs are available on the website as well as through iTunes and YouTube. Check us out online at themesh.tv. Discover other network shows and give us feedback on what you just heard.